0: It's time now for the complete story with Rich and Dick Bot, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here are Rich and Dick Bot with today's complete story.
1: Well, well Rich, I tell you what, here I am with my raggedy voice, but it is what I have, so that's we'll have to work with the best of it. But today's program is going to be pretty exciting and informative, isn't
0: it? Yes, it is. And I think your voice is getting better. And uh, this is a time, folks, where you're letting your voice heal. And so the fact that you're speaking at all to us is uh, very rare.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, I guess it is, because I'm not using it much. But uh, I love to talk to our Radio Network audience, because I think of them as the BOT Radio Network family. Mm -hmm. We've been through a lot together, folks. And I love to bring information to you that I know, as a Christian audience, you will really enjoy hearing about. So now, there was a there was a young lady, of course, at 85. Uh, everybody is really just a kid to me, but a mother of two, three. How many children do you have, Heidi? Two boys. Two boys. Oh, is that interesting? And uh, a lot of people would say, "How does she have time for anything else?" But your husband is also a policeman. And you then had an interest in getting people together to pray for the policeman, pray for people like your husband, that when he leaves the family in the morning and goes out on the job, or whatever it is, that God will use him and also keep him safe, that everything will be what it's supposed to be. So Heidi now is here in the studio with us, and you have have a gentleman here I want you to introduce him.
2: Absolutely. So yes, I'm Heidi Hogan, and I have the privilege of serving with the Midwest Chaplain Association, who, which is under the direction of Kevin Hardy, who's the executive director. He is also the head chaplain for Kansas City, Missouri Police Department. So welcome, Kevin. Right. Thanks.
1: Glad to be here. All right. Now, wait a minute, folks. Did you hear that? The Kansas City, Missouri Police Department has a chaplain as a chaplain, um, sir, would you tell us now what you do as the chaplain within the Kansas City Police Department?
3: Well, we get in
1: the way. I mean, do they need a chaplain? <laughs> do they need a chaplain? Uh, yes, absolutely.
3: yes, absolutely. And really our, our ministry as, we actually have seven chaplains right now uh, for, for the Kansas City Police Department. And our, our primary job is to be present is to uh, make ourselves available, to encourage, to support, uh, to just be there uh, for the officers if they need assistance, we're there to help them.
1: We're gonna be talking about this uh, during this program, uh, folks. Now, Rich, it was a long time ago when there was a lot of publicity and a lot of news stories of controversial nature and so on and so forth that you said, Every time I see a policeman, I'm going to thank him for his service to the community, to the city, for what he does, the same as you then has a habit for years, going up to a military person and thanking them for doing what they do to keep us safe as a nation and the policeman keeping us safe from harm in a city or a community. That's me.
0: right, dad. And we just celebrated or we uh, commemorated 9/11 where the first responders ran to the trouble. They ran to the buildings that were being collapsed to help help people. And so often, uh, our firemen, our policemen, and uh, EMTs, they put themselves in harm's way to protect the public. Yeah. We need to uphold them in prayer. And well, I'm interested to find out about what this chaplain's absolutely. corps does in that and, regard. And
1: we do that because of who they are and what they do. Mm-hmm. But also, do we pray for yeah, them? They need our prayers. Listen, folks. If you're praying for somebody, it will really get you into your own attitude to get behind them and thank God for them. Heidi, how important is prayer for your husband when he is out there as a policeman facing whatever he faces in the community?
2: It's huge. It's a huge part of our life. Um, our first responders and especially our police officers more recently just faced so much tragedy and darkness and just— um, frustration and heartbreak and just the things that they see, the lay public cannot imagine that the things from from child abuse to traffic accidents. I mean, these are the people that are called to um, walk that line and to protect us from danger and harm and to clean up society's messes. And prayer is just, um, it's just fundamental for our lives. Um, just praying for their safety, just praying for their protection, for the decisions that they make as they as they leave every shift. Um, this isn't what they do; it's who they are. They they're really never off duty. They um, are just constantly consumed by their job and just being able to protect and serve. Um, and just praying has been um, such a, a tool for me to just um, fight off those thoughts of. Of being that police wife that gets a knock at the door about, um, you know, what her husband getting hurt in the line of duty. Um, there's a million thoughts that run from, through my mind when he leaves um, every day. And, and but, he's a he's father of your two little boys, right? It, but God is our refuge and He's our strength, and we call on Him daily, hourly, to just equip us for the things that we face in this world. Um, one of my favorite verses is John 16:33, and it just talks about how. We're going to face all sorts of trials and suffering, but Jesus has already overcome all that. And so just really part of our ministry is just to share that hope of Christ um, and just to to be rooted in the gospel and and let that be the center focus of, of what we do and who we are in yeah. in serving these first responders and their families. You know, Rich,
1: uh, I, um, we, we had decided that this program would be for the Kansas City audience But I'm going to make an executive decision right now. This program is going to be carried across the whole network because people in California or Nebraska or up in Indiana, down in Texas, wherever this broadcast is being heard now, you have a police department in your community. Let me ask you, do you pray for them? Even when you come across a, a traffic accident, what is the first thing you see are the flashing lights of somebody who's who's been called there to create order out of disorder, uh, to create uh, something that can facilitate the, uh, the society mm-hmm. rather than let chaos continue to rule. And we could go on and on from there but how often do you pray for them instead of criticize them and when I say them I'm not talking about the individual officer as a group do you pray for them because their job is to uphold the laws that the politicians have created and if you don't like the law don't blame the priest policeman. for goodness sake talk to the politician right. but I think after that, I mean, after, before you do that, then be on your knees, and be on your knees for those who create order out of disorder, and all of that. What would you say, sir?
0: Well, the Bible commands us to pray, and so we need to be obedient in that. And these men and women especially that put themselves in harm's way to protect the public, to protect us, uh, are deserving of our prayer.
1: Do you think there is a need for this even up in Rapid City, South sure, Dakota? you know?
0: Jackson, Wyoming, and... <laughs> Tyler, Texas, everywhere. Listen,
1: we're talking to you and we're talking about something that's very, very important. Now before we turn to our guests more, there's a big storm that's going to hit the Carolinas. In that part of the United States, who do you think is going to be the first person to be concerned to help people if it isn't the law enforcement officers? Right. Those are the ones that will be on the line. Those are the ones that people will turn to and say, will you please help me? I should have evacuated quicker, and I didn't because I was too stuck on myself. And so I waited and waited. Now, who on earth can I depend on to put themselves on the line for my benefit? It. and that's the people you ought to be praying for folks to give them strength to give them courage and to thank them for what they do every day of their life to protect the rest of us
2: yes i've seen many of my police wife friends um on the east coast who are talking about how um they're taking their kids and they're leaving to to move inland and and they're leaving their officers behind and how difficult that must be but yet how proud we are of our men and our women um in yeah. uniform that, that do that job
1: all right, now, Mr. Kevin Hardy, you're the chaplain of the Kansas City Police Department. Uh, oh, the lead chaplain, and mm-hmm. you have several others in that department. I suppose every city that's listening to this broadcast right now has a counterpart also in Memphis and Nashville and all over the place. Um, I, I, I had never thought about chaplains in a police department, but tell us how you serve their needs in a spiritual way. Well,
3: again, the the basis is the foundation of prayer. And when, uh, in particular, individually, when I'm... riding along with them i'll I'll go out on shift with them and i'll ride the entire shift with an officer that gives me an opportunity to pray for that particular shift that patrol division that part of the community as well as uh, as we ride the streets and go from call to call that gives me an opportunity to to pray for that neighborhood to pray for that the safety of that officer as we go to that shooting call or as we go to that domestic
1: violence call or, yeah, a domestic violence call, let's say, where somebody has been beat up for the 10th time, and you're supposed to go there then and uh, and tell them to settle down and sober up and on and on and on, and you know the likelihood of that happening probably isn't great, but your job is to go there at that moment and do what you can. Well, my, my
3: particular job in that case is to be a support and an encouragement for the officer first and then to touch the community as I can. Um, a lot of times I'll get an opportunity to take children out of the room, away from what's going on, and be able to, to talk with them and give them baseball cards and just see how they're doing and how they're holding up and that type of thing. And then when things are over because of the traumas that police officers and firefighters and EMTs see, I get to ask the question, how are you doing? How are you holding up? Because that trauma, that stress, that... that uh, those Constant. images that we see, yeah. yeah. And I spent 20 years as a paramedic, so I understand the first response. Um, those traumas weigh heavy on you because you can close your eyes and see that last mm-hmm. shooting call or that last uh, suicide victim, that type of thing. So I, my focus is to pray for that officer to find out how he or she is holding up and to be an encouragement to support them, their emotional and physical and spiritual health and see how they're yeah, doing.
1: And we all need that. We all need that. Believe me, this old guy needs it, Mm -hmm. and all I have to do is sit behind a microphone and talk to people about what I honestly believe and think. Believe me, but you and the people you work with are out in a patrol car, and those are the mean streets, Mm -hmm. and believe me, when you send your children to school in the morning, or when you send your husband or wife, and they go off to their job, it isn't likely, but it's possible, that danger will, will come their way. But, but how many times does a policeman start off leaving his house and then having to wonder, I wonder if danger will come my way because I know that's what I'm going to be working with the whole day. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, we're talking to Mr. Kevin Hardy, and he's the lead chaplain of the Kansas City Police Department. And, of course, Heidi Hogan, a friend of Bot Radio Network for quite a while back mm-hmm. because she had the desire to start a prayer meeting and a Bible study for the wives and, uh, and those who have mates, husbands, and other wives that are in the police department to pray for them and to understand them and to, to help them and uphold their, their arms in faith. So that's what we're talking about today, and I hope we're bringing up a subject that not too many people have really thought about
0: dad, if I can ask a question of Chaplain Hardy, a couple of times now you've mentioned the things that they see. And so I'm imagining that the things that they see and the experiences that they're very close to and actually involved in uh, can be quite traumatic even to witness it. And uh, how do you counsel them? How do you work with them so that they don't become callous and hard hearted, but retain a tender heart for righteousness?
3: Well, you're you're there, you're present, um, you have relationship with them, you've built trust, um, you've proven yourself. Because as a non-sworn officer, uh, there is that, that thin blue line. Mm-hmm. And you can get behind that blue line and you can get behind the badge, but you're never going to be a brother or a sister as yeah. an officer. But you can build that trust by building relationship, by honoring your word, by making yourself available to them. They know as a chaplain why you're there. And if you just say, hey, how you doing? How you holding up? And you make yourself available because it is very easy to harden your heart. Mm -hmm. I I had that experience as a paramedic. You, You go and you have certain things you have to do and you do that and you don't think about, the actual scene or the setting until later. And then then there's yeah. a stigma of, well, you have to be strong because if you show any emotion or that, then they're going to consider you weak. And yeah. so there's all kinds of stigmas that fly around that as well as with officers. So we as chaplains tend to just watch the officers and we can see when anger's building up or when they're just not functioning well and and so as we view those things going on in their lives we can approach them and say hey Mm -hmm. what's going on how can how can i help you and so because if we're all human we are we are
1: that's the truth we're and we're talking about somebody's husband uh, somebody's son we're talking about somebody's wife and when they're out there that's their job that's what they've chosen to do and that's what they're being paid for is to uphold the law and bring order out of chaos. Now, Paul Harvey, one of my favorite legendary broadcasters, I wish I had a voice like he had, but Paul Harvey had something to say about policemen and what a policeman is. Let's hear it now.
4: Policemen. A policeman is a composite of what all men are, I guess, a mingling of saint and sinner, dust and deity. What that really means is that they are exceptional. They are unusual. They are not commonplace. Buried under the froth is the fact. And the fact is that less than one half of one percent of policemen misfit that uniform. And that is a better average than you'd find among clergymen. What is a policeman? He of all men is at once the most needed and the most wanted. A strangely nameless creature who is served to his face and pig or worse behind his back. He must be such a diplomat that he can settle differences between individuals so that each will think he won, but If a policeman is neat, he's conceited. If he's careless, he's a bum. If he's pleasant, he's a flirt. If he's not, he's a grouch. He must make instant decisions, which would require months for a lawyer. But if he hurries, he's careless. If he's deliberate, he's lazy. He must be first to an accident, infallible with a diagnosis. He must be able to start breathing, stop bleeding, tie splints, and above all, be sure the victim goes home without a limp. The police officer must know every gun, draw on the run, and hit where it doesn't hurt. He must be able to whip two men twice his size and half his age without damaging his uniform and without being brutal. If you hit him, he's a coward. If he hits you, he's a bully. The policeman from a single human hair must be able to describe the crime, the weapon, the criminal and tell you where the criminal is hiding. But if he catches the criminal, he's lucky. If he doesn't, he's a dunce. He runs files and writes reports until his eyes ache to build a case against some felon who will get dealed out by a shameless shamus. The policeman must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And, of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary.
1: Uh, let, me, let me ask you, is that a calling then? Is that a calling? I, on my During my entire lifetime, I've talked to missionaries who have spent their life on the mission field, for goodness sakes, talking about what they would do on the mission field. And I would think, oh, man, how could they do that? They said, that's my calling. That's my calling. Is it possible that a police officer is called, ideally, to do what he does, what she does, because without them, where would the rest of us be?
3: Absolutely, absolutely. It it is a call, and even when they're not aware of it, even when they're Romans not aware 13. of it, what's that?
2: Romans thirteen. Yeah,
3: yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So it it is a calling. It is uh, definitely, uh, you know, as some are called to ministry, some are called to chaplaincy because chaplaincy is different than ministry. You you have that, and it's it's who you are, and it's not something you want to do, you have to. It, you, and that's the way the officers are and firefighters and, and paramedics. Uh, it's just a part of who you are to serve and to put on that badge mm. willingly to go out and put yourself in danger.
1: Tell me when a policeman gets to be an old codger, uh, I suppose in his heart he's still a policeman in the sense that I'm an old, old codger, but I'm still a broadcaster, a Christian broadcaster. I do what I do, and I do what I've done all my life. And I imagine a policeman finds that same that same attitude and for the rest of his life. He could be retired how many years, and yet in his heart he's still a policeman.
3: Absolutely. And the younger officers still recognize that mm-hmm. that individual is an officer Yeah, as a brother or sister.
1: Uh, there is something that we have used on The Complete Story at Christmas and other years but i'll tell you what it's true right now whether it's christmas or not i want the people to think about this because this is about an old retired police officer that was just in his younger days out helping people and doing the best he can and then for one reason or another god allowed him to see the fruit of his labor here it is
5: I'm going to tell you a story from my Highway Patrol days. I simply call this my Christmas Eve. The hour's late, should go to bed, near midnight, I believe. But memories keep me wide awake this snowy Christmas Eve. Yes, memories of my kids moved on, each has their separate life. And how the holidays have changed since angels took my wife. The toys, the food, the Christmas cheer, my wife would bear the load because I would work most holidays, state trooper on the road. Just sitting in my easy chair so many years retired, I reminisce on times gone by and all that has transpired. Of all the many happenings that seemed to come to light, a multitude of them occurred right on this very night. A drunken woman in Iraq who died on Christmas Eve leaves memories of a tragic case most people can't believe. I had to drive to where she lived to tell her next of kin. Found the rundown mobile home she had been living in. The person answering the door, I still recall today, a, a little girl about four years old, she said, I'm Sue McKay. I asked her if her dad was home and felt the longest pause. She said, my daddy ran away. You must be Santa Claus. My mommy said you'd come tonight if I just stayed in bed and bring a pretty doll for me. It's what my mommy said. I broke the law that Christmas Eve did not call child's care. They'd merely put her in a room and that I couldn't bear. I picked her up and took her home. My wife tucked her in bed and wrapped a pretty doll for her just like her mommy said. Adopted by a loving home and soon they moved away. I won't forget that Christmas Eve. And little Sue McKay. Another bitter Christmas Eve, a blizzard to behold, had left a family in the ditch just trapped there in the cold. By grace of God, I spotted them all cold and gaunt with fright, drove them to a motel room to safely spend the night. One Christmas Eve, a homeless man, shivering and wet, was trying hard to get a ride. I'm sure he'd never get. I picked him up and drove him to a diner on the hill to warm his bones and left him with a five dollar bill. Strange how when you're all alone with memories you recall, you think of everything you've done. Was it worth it all? I think about my God, my job, my children and my wife. Would I do it all the same? Could I relive my life? Then comes a knock upon my door. This late, who could it be? A neighbor? Or has Santa Claus come to visit me? The figure standing in the cold gives me a sudden fright. A trooper with that solemn look, dear God who's died tonight. I'm flashing back through bygone years and how I'd often stood on someone's porch to bring them news and it was never good. Is this how life gets back at me for misery I've induced where pain I've caused some other folks has now come home to roost? But looking in the trooper's eyes, my mind is in a whirl. I see a pleasant countenance. The trooper is a girl. She smiled and reached to shake my hand. And silence wasn't broke until a tear rolled down her cheek. And then she softly spoke. I'm sure you don't remember me, but thought I'd stop and say, God bless you on this Christmas Eve. I'm Trooper Sue McKay.
1: Wow wow rich is that something to everyone listening to this broadcast right now if you had an accident if you're in your car in the next 10 minutes who would you call first if it wasn't a policeman to come and help and the policeman will call everybody else quick as a wink clear the traffic rearrange everything and make everything happen in a wink Now, you know, there was something we heard earlier in this broadcast. Oh, it was by Paul Harvey, where he says a policeman is making snap decisions that in normal life people would have to appoint a committee and appoint a study group then to see the best way to go. And I was thinking, yeah, that's probably what we would do. We'd say, I'll get back to you tomorrow. But the policeman has no time for that. He's got to absolutely do as he was trained, and that is bring order mm. right now out of chaos and disorder. What would you add to that, Rich?
0: Well, that's of course, and I... I I kind of wanted to ask Chaplain Kevin Hardy how one becomes a chaplain. If somebody in our listening yeah. audience is interested in ministering that way,
3: how can they get involved in a chaplain's and, association?
0: And, and we're and, running out of time, help, so we to
1: make this quick.
3: Absolutely. Um, the majority of your chaplain programs, a chaplain has to be a licensed or ordained pastor, minister. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll undergo a background check with the department that they're interested in joining. Um, once that background check comes back and a letter of reference from your organization, whether it be Baptist Association or whatever, uh, those all come back, they'll be vetted. And then uh, 90% of the times it's a volunteer position uh, that you would come on to the department as a volunteer chaplain. Um, We are always, always looking for chaplains. If there is a, a department out there, please fire EMS. You don't have a chaplain program, please get one going. If you do have one, do everything you can do to beef it up and build it up because it's it's an important program. Um, because we love hmm. the officers, we love the firefighters, we want them uh, to be served well. Check
2: out the website. And check out
3: the website. Do you, do you have a website yeah. or a phone I do, number? Absolutely. For Midwest Chaplain Association, it is uh, MWCA.online. Okay, that's
0: MWCA.online for the Midwest Chaplains Association. Thank you very much. And you know, we'd also like to hear from our listeners here on our listener comment line. We'd love to hear from you. 1 800. Three four five two six two one. If you've got a comment uh, about the programming that you hear on Bot Radio Network or something here about the Complete Story, we'd love to hear from you because we value the listener comments. 1 800 345 2621.
1: There you go, folks. We're out of time. This is Dick Bot and my son Rich with this chapter of The Complete Story is a public service. We'll see you later.